The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Kevin Hay Comics. I'm your host, John Clark, and Elliot Serrano is back. I, I, wait, hold on, wait. Please let me out, let me go. <laughs> See, I have you on video. Had you not been on video, I would have been nervous for a second. I would have restarted this Zoom. I would have been like, oh, crap, he dropped out. But instead, you just stared at me, and I resent it. I'm trying to run a professional show. What a, you know, I do this show in an apartment now that has no door. I don't have, you know, when you used to come over to the studio, we had these big glass doors we could close. And people would walk by and you'd shoo them away. And they wouldn't come in. And now I've got like an opening into the living room. And my cat is 19 years old. And sometimes he just screams. So, <laughs> so those are the things that I'm trying to control. And here you are not talking. I'm sorry. I was trying to come up with a clever <laughs> line. And that was the best I could come up with. Well, it was good. I mean, now we're in this bit, so I think it works. Yeah, really. I mean, come on. It's not like this wasn't a last minute thing. You know? This was a completely last minute thing. In fact, um, I was on the Zoom call with Stephen, and Stephen said, Can you hang on? And then it was clear that he wasn't going to be able to come back. So while I was waiting, I texted you, and I was like, Hey, I've been meaning to do a podcast with you again. So here we are, thinking of what happened this week. Yep. Pretty weird. Mute button so I can cough. Um, See, that, yeah. that's what I mean by professional. There we go. Wow. That's my radio background. Right yeah. There. Um, the, uh, yeah, it's um, back. To, we've, we've talked about this before. These are interesting times. And, yep. Very. And, you know, and, and um, it seems to me that if you're going to talk to anybody or have a conversation about anything, this is the way to do it. So I guess I should be grateful. I feel like my mom who says I never call her. Well, John, you know, you, you keep saying you're going to call and here we are. I glad, well, glad I wasn't your third choice. No, you were my second choice. <laughs> In fact, you were my first and a half choice because Stephen didn't even tell me he wasn't going to be able to make it. He was like, uh, can we do it later? And I was like, no, I can get somebody else. <laughs> uh, so, there so, you go. But I've been meaning to have you on for a while. I've just been lax because I, I booked the show myself and you see how great a job I do at it. <laughs> um, but I've been meaning to talk to you for a while because there's stuff going on. There's lots of stuff going on. It's it's lots of stuff going on in the world. Yes. Sorry. I yeah. Well, the world is about to become whatever world 2021 and on will be, and we're in the. I feel like we're in this holding pattern of like everything going on in the world. I'm like, that's not done yet. Isn't that? Isn't that over? And shouldn't this thing be starting? And apparently not. It's um. I just got right, but right as you were messaging me. I was re-watching the um, first Jodie Whittaker Doctor Who, uh, the woman who fell to Earth. Yeah, because I just I just watched the the Christmas special when Peter Capaldi, you know, um, you know, pretty much passes the torch to her. I thought, hey, you know what? I want to go back and watch the the Chibnall's first episode again. See if uh, 
how it holds up. Because I remember when I first saw it, um, I, I was probably a little bit overly critical of it, you know. So I'm watching it, and I was like, oh, you know, actually, this is pretty good. This is actually pretty good. But it does, it's like you said, but it like there's this big climax, like at the three quarter mark, and then it keeps going. And I'm like, going, wait, it, it, the episode's not over yet. It, yeah. Wait, it, it's, wait, this whole big thing happened here, and now we're going to keep going. And that's how I feel about 2020. Like all this <laughs> stuff is going on, and it's like, and this big shit happens. And then you're like, what? Oh, sh- we've got more to go. Wait, you've got a funeral, and now we're going to figure out how, how the character's going to dress. And then we're going to get lost in space looking for the TARDIS. Is that what how 2020 is going to leave us? So, uh, you know. I feel like 2020 is all of Jodie Whittaker's run where I'm sitting around going, so this is what we're doing. This, this is where we are. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know if I'm feeling anything. <laughs> I, I knew, I, I knew what, what I felt like when David Tennant was doing things. I knew what I felt like when Peter Capaldi was doing things. Now I don't even know that I feel anymore. It's, and it's funny, too, because I was <clears> – <throat> you and I have done this, but I, uh, with a, I've got HBO Max – and I just decided to sit down and binge all four seasons of The Thick of It over three days. I never watched f- the whole thing from beginning to end in like just three sittings, pretty much. And I was like, and I'm, I was like, wow, I miss Peter Capaldi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never finished The Thick of It. I watched season one when he took over, but before he started. Because he was famous in the UK for that, but no one knew who he was over here. And I, I really liked it. Yeah, I loved, I loved Peter Capaldi. My whole feeling about Capaldi was he was raring to go and Moffat was tired. But it, Yeah, it's, and, and he was re- – <clears throat> I mean, I think that first, that first season with him as the Doctor was a little rough. Um, it, it didn't quite yeah. get how – the take they wanted for Capaldi, which is why, like, I'm very, um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm been very generous, or I mean, a very, I'm, saying, I'm not, I'm not overly critical of Whitaker, like at least the first season with Whitaker, because she still needed to find that character. No Doctor's then, first season is set. Yeah, and then I mean, even then, Penn and Matt Smith, it, uh, they're not. Crazy. Yeah, but yeah, they couldn't find a Doctor, but man, they found the Master fast. I mean. When they introduced the master, that clicked like that. It worked. So, you know, I'm still waiting. But, yeah, that first season with Capaldi um, was kind of, uh, but by the end, you know, you love his, you know, kind of absent-minded professor deal where he's, you know, kind of a a little bit of John Pertwee and a little bit, you know, as far as his look goes. But the rest is, you know, very, again, nutty professor. And 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 I just love him. I like that cantankerous edge he had. Yes. That was really fun. Um, I'm rewatching Good Omens now, speaking of Doctor Who's, and I'm realizing that, yeah, just David Tennant is an international treasure. <laughs> like, oh, I could yeah. just watch him do anything. I wished, well, you, you know, when they did the 50th anniversary and Matt Smith and David Tennant um, did that one special, they got along so well that they and Moffat talked about doing a split season of Doctor Who where each one of them would do six and then there'd be a crossover in the beginning and a crossover in the end. And they, that way they'd stretch each of their 10 years out. And I think at, but I think at that point they were like, no, we need a new doctor. We'll get in Capaldi. But I would have loved to have seen that because 
I've never seen a doctor in those, you know, doctor meets the doctor specials who stepped into those shoes so easily as tenant. Like, Oh yeah. No, that, that, and I remember watching, well, I bought, I bought that baby on Blu-ray the moment it became mm-hmm. available too. Yeah. Um, I just, I forgot. Yeah. How, how, when I remember watching it and going, man, cause I love Matt Smith as a doctor. I mean, mm-hmm. I loved him. Um, and then, but, but, the David Tennant's what got me back. He's what got me back into Doctor Who. I, the Chris Eccleston Doctor didn't do it for me. No, um, so, I, I, I don't think the show really, the show didn't even know what it was yet. Yeah. Like so it, see, it didn't know if it was campy. It didn't know if it yeah. was dark. It, yeah. it hadn't quite found its mix yet. So, um, so seeing a uh, tenant in, yeah, Day of the Doctor, seeing him just back in that role, I'm like, oh man, I forgot how much I missed him. It's kind of like when you're, you know, yeah, there's like a buddy of yours that you were really good friends with, and then like he moved away for a while, and then you decide that, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, hey, I'm in town, let's have some beers, and you sit down and you go, dude, man, I forgot how much fun it was when we hung out. That's that's the way it felt, you know, watching that. So. Yeah, well, Doctor Who, I I miss Doctor Who because I, I feel like. Chibnall, Chibnall's style is almost procedural. They're like, it's not, it's not that quirky. It's not that funny. I feel like it's, it's more of a harder sci-fi show. And I miss like the goofy, the dorkiness of Doctor Who. So I, I've watched it. I've watched all of Jodie Whittaker's and I know they haven't really done anything this year. They're going to do a special, but I feel like, I feel like I'm, oh, I'm not into Doctor Who anymore. I feel like I did when, like I always compare Doctor Who to Star Trek and I feel like I did when Enterprise was on of like, I know it's still on, I'm still watching it, but it's not like, it's not taking a pl- space in my head or my heart. And right now, I mean, now the flip is happening where, you know, CBS, which will become Paramount Plus is making it so you get new Star Trek every week for the rest of your life. <laughs> they're just they're, and they're just gonna, want it or not. <laughs> yeah yeah I, if you're a trekkie and i'm at the point now where i've i've seen every star trek episode that's ever been produced and i'm watching every week so i've seen the new one but i'm also getting to the age where i don't remember them all <laughs> so it's like i don't know what this goal that i keep notching off i'm like every week there's a new episode of discovery and by Thursday night, I watched it and I go, yes, I've watched every episode of Star Trek again. And, uh, but what I did when uh, quarantine started, I binged all of Deep Space Nine, thinking in my naivete, oh, well, I'll be back in the office by the time I finish this. <laughs> and by the time I finished it, I was, I was in a new apartment where I was working from home, so that counted. But there was like this vast expanse of like, I don't know when this was going to end. This was supposed to end after 187 episodes. So <clears throat> let me ask you this. Mm. Since you have gone back and you've watched everything, okay? I mean, I know you're a classic Trek guy too. Yeah. You've watched everything. I mean, I've watched most everything. I, have n- I never finished Voyager. And I'll, I'll admit, I never finished. I never finished Deep Space Nine. Oh, you got to finish Deep Space Nine, Elliot. It it closes so strong. Okay, it, I mean that's what I hear. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so my question is, when it gets when you get the discovery, mm-hmm. I I listen to like all these you know Trek fans who talk about how the discovery is totally re re 
ripping apart the, the 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 canon and you know doesn't really under it reframes star trek and it makes it's not what gene roddenberry would have wanted and blah and blah and blah and i'm like it when you watch it having seen everything and sat down and watched everything do you sit there and go oh yeah the deep discovery is so far away from what i've known star trek to be because the more i look at discovery i'm like no, I see bits of Voyager here. I see bits of Deep Space Nine there. I, I don't see how some folks feel that the Discovery is such an outlier. I, I do, and Yeah, I don't agree that it's an outlier. I think it started as an outlier. I think we're in season three. I think each season has gotten closer to what Star Trek is. That first season, I had a lot of problems with. I thought it was an interesting plot, so I just binged through it. Um, but it was like there were blue Klingons. There were, you know, the, the, it was supposed to take place before the original series and it was more advanced than, than Voyager. Um, I had a lot of issues with it starting out. And then season two, when they got to Pike, when they put Pike on the Enterprise, it, it, the tone started to steer. And I feel like this season, um, I love that Saru is the captain. I love that we have a stable character as captain, but yet he's a secondary character. I still think it's a cool idea. But this is the first season that I felt like, okay, the episode starts and we're going to go on this adventure. Like, I, I f- there, there were a couple of things, like when they did, like, re-reunification, when they tried to get the Vulcans to work with the Federation. It was a again. really good episode. That was it, a really good episode. And it felt like <laughs> Star Trek, like the arguments yeah. they brought up and the way they petitioned them and the problems they had felt like star trek to me so i think as the show goes on it's getting closer and closer i agree i mean that episode for those who haven't seen it yet i you know i don't want to spoil any too much but all i know is that when they're in the quorum i mean the 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 main set piece of this episode was essentially a debate yeah a debate about culture and 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 society and you know, when uh, a government asks too much of its citizenry and, and the, the consequences of all that. And that was, the, there was no pew pew. There was no, you know, flying off to get something which previous episodes were and which the following episode was. <laughs> but, um, but I was there going, oh, wow, this is really what I guess folks are going to say that quote unquote Star Trek is. And then when you had that one, there's one bit in the argument where one character like, like has an oh snap moment. I even at one point went, oh, like I was like, holy crap, he said that, he went there. And and now they're going, this is Star Trek. You know, this is something I would have maybe had myself feeling like an episode of, well, The West Wing, you know, which was all Mm. about debate and and ideas and the, the, you know, the exchange of ideas. Seeing that in an episode of Star Trek was really, really refreshing. Yeah, yeah, it like it, it felt like this is what this is what I feel the values of Star Trek are. It's about working together and changing ideas and getting to scientific breakthroughs um and keeping your mind open and that's what it was about. It wasn't you know that first season was about well this humans a klingon and their klingons are devious and this guy's from the mirror universe and this and they, but he's evil and um it it's doing i'm i'm actually a fan of everything they're doing right now i um i adored lower decks 
Uh, Lower Decks was the first Star Trek show that my boys were excited to watch because they knew it was somebody from Rick and Morty running it. Um, And they they still say they don't like Star Trek, but now they know all the lexicon. (laughs) Where I'm like, well, that's a plasma field and that's a dilithium crystal. And they're like, oh yeah, I get it. Um, I... Uh, the the Riker episode just cracked me up. Mm-hmm. You know? so I'm like, well, John, jo- Jonathan Frakes has become the internet meme of Star Trek. I feel like this happened in 2018, and he's just embraced. He's he's just embraced it. He's like, I'll be in whatever Star Trek you want me to be. I'll be whatever gif you want me to be. <laughs> I mean, he's he's directing Discovery. Then they've got yep. him doing jokes in jokes in Lower Decks. Yep. You know, he's a part of that whole. You know, he's in the room when it comes to them putting the episodes together. He'll be back on Picard. He's already working yep. on Picard again. He did two major episodes in the first season and directed yep. them. Um, a lot of people, I feel like there's a lot of Trekkies that, you know, as you said, that they complain that Discovery isn't Star Trek. A lot of those people also hated Picard, which I loved. I, I liked it. I mean, I know, I remember when when the reviews were first um hitting the net and that was before people could see it right <clears throat> and even the critics had only seen i believe the first four episodes they were all you know there were some critics that were already huffing about oh it's not this it's not that it could have been this and that and <clears throat> and so i even made a little meme myself remember the my meme that i said when you expect picard to be more like next generation but it ends up being nemesis and it's face. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, but then and then but then I actually watched the episodes. I actually mm-hmm. watched the show for myself. And like you, I just I thought, no, this works. This is great. <clears throat> I know people are kind of upset that, you know, Picard isn't the next generation Picard, but no, no who is, you know? Right. The same people, I mean the same people who were getting on me for not being able to accept Luke Skywalker as a cranky old man in the last Jedi. I was one of those people. Me, oh. Yeah. I, I liked him as Cranky Old Jedi. <laughs> I mean, I was okay with Cranky Old Jedi. I just don't like the Cranky Old Jedi dying at the end of exhaustion. Yeah. But we yeah. won't go back there. But, yeah, so the, it was the character of Picard. He's, he knew, he, I think that's also what um, attracted um, Patrick Stewart to it so much is that they knew we're not – this isn't going to be the next generation Picard. It's going to be – you know, him in his later years, he's going to, we're going to accept that he's not the guy he was before. Not that he's less of the person, mm-hmm. but he's changed. He doesn't have the same physical capabilities, but there are so many other things that he can do. And I think the, the show did that marvelously. Yeah. And uh, I loved the tone of it where people were like, no, well, the Federation is, the Federation is comfortable and the Federation knows what to do. And the Federation is never in doubt of itself. And I was like, yeah, so was America in 1987. Like, we're not the America we were when Next Generation aired. Much So why, why do we expect... I wouldn't want Picard to be stuck in the 80s. And, John, have we ever been the America that we think we are? No, <laughs> not <laughs> once. But the way we presented ourselves. Yeah. yeah. My, my favorite thing about the way America presented itself was whenever I look at 90s stuff and they go out of their way to be edgy and gritty and dark. And I'm like, the 90s were probably the happiest time in the 20th century. Clinton was running the country perfectly. We didn't have, the recession was over. 
everyone was starting a dot com. It was like the 90s. We didn't get into any wars. Like the 90s were trying to be. And it was just like, oh, but there are serial killers and alien abductions. Ooh. I miss those days so much. Well, if you want serial killers and alien abductions, there are some folks working really hard to bring that back. Yeah, no, they're still doing it. Just we can't yeah. care. We don't have time <laughs> to worry. That, like, it was like the 80s obsession with serial killers where it was like everyone was so focused on it. We don't have more or less today than we did then. It's just we didn't have anything else to worry about. We, we could worry about some guy coming up to you in a, on a corner from a van. That was our biggest worry. Now it's like yeah. 17. Like, yeah, I don't want to be pulled into a van by a serial killer, but I have so many other things. It's funny because you, you'll see that. <clears throat> one of the two things right now that, that, that they talk about in Chicago, okay? Uh, one serious thing and one thing that I think is malarkey. Um, the serious thing, of course, is apparently there is a serial killer in Chicago that's primarily in the south and west sides who's been killing um, uh, very much like the Jack the Ripper type, uh, killing women of color and mostly, um, you know, sex workers. And, and it doesn't get a whole lot of talk. You know, you hear people talking about it on the street. You hear people talking about it on social media. They're like, why? Why doesn't the media talk about it? And actually, the media, I have seen news reports about about the Chicago PD are trying to figure out, you know, why are all these uh, women of color disappearing? And, you know, they suspect there's a serial killer. And maybe years ago, that would have been national headlines, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because of the way things were then. And then the silly thing, Mothman. You know, you've heard the moth, the whole Mothman. I've heard of the Mothman. Is Mothman back? Did he ever leave? No, no, but he was like, Slender Man really took Mothman's spotlight. Uh, Did he? Which is hard to do because Mothmans are so attracted to spotlights. <laughs> he just kept going around and around, around and around. And around and around. Yeah, but the thing, and then he was like, oh. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, and we would talk, people are trying to get me to care about Mothman. Like, I have people coming to me about, did you hear about the Mothman? You know, I have some folks are saying, you know, I, I literally had someone in an Uber, this is pre COVID, in an Uber, a woman talking to me about the serial killer on the South Side. She's telling me she doesn't understand why the media doesn't talk about it. I'm like, Ooh, that is pretty serious. So I'm like, ooh, that's yeah, that's. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to figure out my my part of my skeptical side is really is it really all that or is it not da 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 da. And then I have a guy, I have folks on social media going, now did you hear about the Mothman and the things that are going on? I'm like, get out of here with that, okay? You know, ugh. I don't need you know someone who's trying to start urban legend crap that they're going to write a book about later so they can you know make a buck off it. I, I, I don't, I'm not in the mood for that right now. I like don't. Said, I don't have the attention span. Yeah, I, I just don't get trying to create monsters right now at a time where we can't walk outside anyway. Unless the monster I mean, is buzzing down in my lobby. All I know, <clears throat> all I know is that 2020 has shown me. Oh, what I've known that these past four years, I mean, 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, they've shown me A, that when I doubted <clears throat> that the Krypton Science Council having evidence that Krypton was going to explode, that they denied it. I used to think that was stupid when I was a kid. Now I'm like, okay, not that stupid. It's still stupid. And, it's just yeah. more realistic than it was. It's more realistic. 
that when 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 pre when Lex Luthor ran for president and he became the president of the United States, I thought that's crazy. Well, there there we know that's stupid. Uh, um, not so stupid. Yes, Wilson Fisk is the mayor of New York City apparently in Marvel Comics now, which again makes no sense to me. But all right, I guess. And now, um. When people said, uh, 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 was it Bird Box? There's something out there killing you that you have to close your eyes. You have to wear a piece of cloth over your eyes so that thing doesn't kill you, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. People are still going outside. Why would people still go outside? Well, yeah, look at that. We're in a Bird Box situation. We are. Yeah. I, I had a conversation with my sons the other day where they asked me point blank to my face, why does J. Jonah Jameson hate Spider-Man? And I was like, he doesn't have a reason and he doesn't need a reason he's just built his brand on hating spider-man and it makes more sense to me like because when i was a kid i asked the same questions i was like well spider-man never did anything to him spider-man didn't like you know uh, he didn't kill john jameson there was like there's there's no reason to keep putting track in front of that train and now i go oh well, there he's a media empire he's a, he's a troll he's he's trolling yeah. he's like like, why did Trump constantly call Obama, you know, uh, ask for Obama's birth certificate? Right. Which was bullshit. But, you know, but it got to have people's attention and people were like, oh, yeah, that J. Jonah Jameson must mean, some, you know, have something going on because he's like, you know, he's after Spider-Man and he's, you know, he should know. And it's like, yeah. And he was, was um, he was also mayor of New York. Yeah, also the mayor of New York at one yeah. point. So, so at some point their political system went, real people... J. Jonah Jameson, Kingpin. Yeah, and that's to me, I still can't get over that. I mean, the Kingpin, we, the Kingpin within the Marvel Universe, everyone knows the guy was a crime boss. Yeah. He knew he was a crime boss. He was exposed as a crime boss. That's like John Gotti becoming the president, of becoming the mayor of New York. How does that happen? Yeah, but now you know. Next, I, I'm waiting for the lizard to become the mayor of New York. Just in that tattered white lab coat, just signing bills, just, hey, must cut 10% of the budget. <laughs> oh, you've touched on several things, and the segue keeps going away, but we've been talking about Star Trek, we've been talking about Star Wars, we've been talking about grumpy, grumpy Mark Hamill, grumpy Picard, and we've mentioned Ubers. Um, can you explain to me? What is going on in that Uber Eats commercial with Mark Hamill and Patrick Stewart? I don't want to know. All I know is I love it. It's, it's like you can, Me too. You know, I'm so know. glad they're there, but I don't know why they're fighting. I, I don't know if the food is helping or hurting. <laughs> I don't know if it's a Star Wars versus Star Trek. Uh, ben was convinced that they were on a movie set, but I'm like, no. But And the other thing is once they get their food, they're still going to fight each other. You know, it's like if uh, it, it gets me, it feels like like Uber Eats said, "Hey, this is like a pitch meeting." Like they were in the they were in the 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 room where they're figuring out the idea for the commercial, right? And they're going, "Yeah, wouldn't it be great if we got like like Luke, you know, Mark Hamill and and, and yeah, Patrick Stewart, and me put them together in a commercial." That's and it'd be like the geeks will love it because it'd be like Star Wars versus Star Trek and. And, and we'll do all these bits. It'll be great. And then they went, yeah, okay. You know, they'll probably never agree to it, but sure. Let's call them up and say that you want to do the commercial. And everyone was shocked when they said yes. 
like, yeah. What? Yeah, we'll do the commercial. Patrick Stewart's like, yeah, sure, why not? And then when they finally got on the set, they're like, okay, this is as far as we got. We don't know where we want to go. <laughs> so they let Patrick Stewart and Mark Hamill just come up with their own, you know, their own scenarios, their own catchphrases. They, I bet you they even create their own food, their own food that they've ordered, you know? I, I'm, I'm buying it. I, I, you know, this is coming from somebody who wrote dialogue in an 80s, ad agency for both George Takei and Anthony Daniels within six months of each other. Um, so there are ad agencies that are just like, you can be in a meeting and go like, I, I want, I want Captain Picard to be in this commercial. And then they're like, yep, we'll call him. Uh, what I think might've happened was I think it might've been explicitly about Star Trek and Star Wars. And as they got the revisions back, they're like, you can't talk about Star Wars. No, you yeah. can't talk about Star Trek. And you removed all the reasons they might be mad at each other. And they're now they're just mad at each other because they they like to eat different things. <laughs> I was like, I was like, do they have to order from the same restaurant? And they're mad that they can't agree on the menu, but it doesn't matter. Cause Uber eats comes from anywhere. no, well, you know there was a vestige of a Vader joke in there at one point where he goes, your daddy's not yeah. here to help you now. And, and, Luke, and uh, Mark goes, I'm my daddy. And that, you know, that makes no sense. I'm like, ah, see. But it's a, it's a joke that works. Yeah. Somewhere <laughs> That's the only the joke line, that works. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, there was a I am your father joke in there. Yeah. But they kept, you know, just. I feel it like matter. it was endless revisions. Yep. And they're like, I, it's still fun. It's still fun. Oh, it's still fun to see. Yeah. And they're having so much fun being there. Like they know the space they occupy. Exactly. Although, you know, yeah, but Patrick Stewart is like Mr. You know, he's Sir Patrick Stewart. He's Sir Patrick Stewart. The one thing that makes me sad about Patrick Stewart is, you know, Patrick Stewart never ages because he lost all of his hair in the seventies. So it was like between the first season, next generation and like the third X-Men movie. He looks exactly the same. Then his neck started to get like a little turkey going. A little wobbly. But then in the last, the last few years, his voice has gotten this tremble that makes me so sad. Yeah. You know, yeah. where he's like, oh, Patrick Stewart. And I'm like, what? What happened? He had this commanding. I saw him do Waiting for Godot with Ian McKellen on Broadway. And it was like a rock concert. Their voices filled the theater. We are waiting for Godot. <laughs> it's going to be in my head forever. And like to hear that voice and like when it, he started in Picard, I was like, oh, he's playing an old Picard. And then they interviewed him and he had that same voice. So I was like, oh man, that's the thing that went for him. Uh, well, you know, I mean, the dude's still cut though. Yep. I mean, he's he's, he's 80. Shirt. Yeah. And he still looks good. I'm like, dude, you, he must be, I want to know his workout regimen. Young wife, that's his workout regimen. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of push-ups there. His wife, his wife is at least 10 years younger than either one of us. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, what do I score a deal like that? Uh, you got to get a couple of franchises under your belt. I feel like yep. he couldn't get the young wife with Star Trek. He needed to put X-Men on top of that. And a knighthood. Yeah, <laughs> the knighthoods get all the tail, man. Yeah, man, she's... That's that. That's what the round table was all about. That's why it was round. No corners to poke against. The original, I'd say the original circle jerk, but they had somebody else. Jerk. <laughs> well, there's that. You also don't want a corner of a square table poking you in the nutsack. In the nutsack, really. <laughs> <laughs> 
so glad you were available for this podcast. We've learned a lot. <laughs> right. So you say, wait, you say we segued into Star Wars. I don't remember talking Star Wars. We haven't talked about Star Wars. No, we were. We, you, you mentioned how you didn't like Last Jedi, and we started talking oh, yeah, that's true. about Grumpy Old. But let's talk about Star Wars a little bit, because The Mandalorian has really picked up steam. You know, uh, yes, it has. And um, I will say, I mean, I'm all caught up. Um, and I, I, I want to commend all my fellow uh, uh, social media friends who are nice enough that even though they stay up till midnight to watch Mandalorian on a Friday, uh, Friday morning, and, and see it, um, they don't fucking start spoiling it on their Facebook pages right away. Because right now, the, the, the same thing is happening with the Mandalorian that used to happen with Game of Thrones every fucking week. Is that, and this would even happen during Game of Thrones on Sundays, people would be tweeting fucking clips from the show. They'd be like recording it on their phones as they're watching it and quoting stuff on Twitter as the show's going. I'm like, seriously, folks? Not everybody can watch a show at the same time. And then I would get shouted down. Well, it's a communal thing. It's a communal experience. And everyone saw a season on Sunday. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right. All right. I can see how that is. So, you know, so uh, um, the, the rules of, of uh, um, let's say, the, the rules of spoilers for a television show don't apply for, like, let's say, Oh, remember when the Russo brothers asked everyone to not spoil uh, Endgame? Don't spoil Infinity War. Remember? Mm -hmm. They said, you know, the quote-unquote Thanos has spoken or something like that. Don't spoil it. Everyone's yeah. rallying around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's not spoil it. Let's not spoil it. How is it that in one thing, you know, one thing we shouldn't spoil and the other one, you know, I should just ex accept it's going to be spoiled, which is, you know, to me. Yeah, I feel like there's, it's a, it's an accessibility thing. It, it made more sense when people went to movie theaters, maybe. It's like, well, I can't get to the movie theater till Sunday. And it's like, yeah, but you can turn on your screen right now. And I agree. I tend to do a social media blackout when a new Mandalorian comes up. That being said, um, we are going to discuss spoilers for Mandalorian coming up now. So you should pause this. If it, you haven't seen... The latest episode, yes, please. Yeah, there's too much to talk about it, it being spoiler-free. It was episode 13 or 14 called The Tragedy. So, of course, when the title is called The Tragedy, you know something bad's going to happen. <laughs> By the way, every time something bad happens, we're watching Mandalorian at lunch, uh, which is nice that I, I work remotely and my, the boys are on hybrid learning, so they're home by lunch. And then they do e-learning, I go back to work. So we make lunch and we all watch Mandalorian. And um, Sebastian uh, tries to distract us anytime uh, Grogu is not on screen. <laughs> anytime there's a fight, he's like, look at me. Because he's only there for one reason. Um, but we're, wa we're watching them pretty quickly. And now I've, I've watched this one twice. And every time something happened, Ben just kept going, this one's called the tragedy, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what? Why did that happen? Because it's tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna say, because if you this last episode was 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 um, well, this last okay, and this is the other thing too. I don't get about um about fans of the Mandalorian, which I consider myself a fan of. I mean, I'm not as fanatical about the show, like people. 
I keep seeing this on, on my, in my Facebook feed. I've seen more and more articles are being written about this and it's just feeding into this mania. Talking about, oh, the Mandalorian is better than any of the DC, DC, uh, any of the Disney Star Wars movies. It's better than the prequels. It does more for Star Wars than any of these other movies that ever done. And, and I have another friend who's like on, and I respect him at all, but he's constantly harping on how, oh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau have done more for Star Wars than than J.J. Abrams ever could. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you understand that if The Force Awakens doesn't work, we don't have The Mandalorian. Yeah. All right? Or we don't have you don't have it to the extent that we have it now. You know you got you kind of got to give J.J. Abrams props for that. Well, that's you know? the sports analogy. It's all what have you done for me lately? Is that it's like J.J. Abrams had a strong start to the season and then then buffed it in the playoffs. That's that's Abrams. And then people say, you know, like when 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 the Bears don't make the playoffs, people go, oh, the Bears suck, even if they were winning the whole season up to that point. And that's what it was. Rise of Skywalker sucks, but Force Awakens is great. I am one of those people that I'm having more fun watching The Mandalorian than anything since Empire Strikes Back. I, I, I mean, I, uh, Solo. To me, Solo is Solo is in that same world. Solo and is. A, like, and you're you're talking to the guy who didn't care for the casting of 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 of, of, of Alden Emmerich. For as as Han Solo, remember, remember how he bitched yeah. about it. Yeah, and he's I, not, and he's not great, guy. but he's not and great, Nick. He's not great, but he's not terrible. Yeah, and but the he's, movie, and when the he's next, go on. When he's next to Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, you go, yeah, that's good casting. But exactly, but what are you gonna do? What are you gonna yeah. do? You know? That movie it's was like, so cursed that it's just the fact that we got it at all. The problem was that they insisted on it coming out in May. Ron Howard should have been able to get a December release, just like all the other Star Wars movies. So he could have gone back and made the solo movie he wanted to make. Right. I mean, all the and I never even got the impression. Did he want to make the solo movie, or is he just that nice a guy? I think it was that, because exactly that. he yeah. stepped in so late, and you know I. All of these guys who are getting their Snyder cut and they're getting 70 million more dollars to see their Snyder cut of Justice League, which I don't think is going to be any good. But I'm like, how come I can't get a Lord and Miller solo cut? 80 million subscribers on Disney Plus. I want to see the Lego Batman movie of Star Wars. Don't, don't make it canon, but I want to see it. It looked like it was really funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you're, you're, you're throwing Zack Snyder in front of me, and I, I don't understand that either. I do not understand this whole thing about <clears throat> Zack Snyder is the – for only folks in Chicago are going to understand this, okay? Zack Snyder is the backup Bears quarterback of movies, okay? When he's not in the limelight, he's great. Everyone thinks he's going to be the greatest thing. If somebody else has, you know, had the step in for him or whatever, oh, Zack Snyder is the best thing because in, in Chicago – the backup quarterback is the one we love. We love him all the time. When did Zack Snyder make a good movie after 300? 300 is not even that good. That's the only one I liked. Yeah. Okay? Watchmen, he had it, and then he dropped the ball on that one. Yep. And then I never saw – in Sucker Punch, there are folks who talk about how Sucker Punch is great, and there are folks who hate it. 
So I don't like his, I don't like his Dawn of the Dead. So where does this? It dies after an hour. I like that first hour. They get to the mall and the movie just, the movie just doesn't even know what to do with itself. So I'm there going, why all of a sudden Zack Snyder became this big, you know, he's not even Michael Bay. Yeah. Can you believe that I'm saying this right now? (laughs) Michael Bay movies make more money than Zack Snyder. So I understand when a studio goes to Michael Bay and says, hey, you know what? We're going to give you this property. We want you to make a movie out of it. And I, I mean, and the fans will get all pissy about it and go, how could Michael Bay make a movie? And at the same time, they will go back to see the fifth Transformer movie that Michael Bay directed. So shut up. All right. But M- Michael Bay makes money. Zack Snyder doesn't even make you money. So where's yeah. this whole thing about Zack Snyder being this auteur of filmmaking? He's not that great a director. I mean, I'm sure he's a great guy. And yeah, he can set a frame. And yeah, you know, Man of Steel was essentially him, you know, ripping off Alex Ross covers. But, you know, where's this whole thing? Yeah, the thing I don't get about Justice League is that Justice League is a flawed film. And the problem, I think everyone agrees, the problem with Justice League, it's it's half the sequel to Batman vs. Superman, and it's half Avengers. And it doesn't work because it's two different movies smashing it together. But Snyder fans feel like the solution is to make it more like Batman versus Superman than Avengers. It's and like we also and we hate and we hate Joss Whedon now. So anything well, we, that has Joss Whedon's touch on it must be excised. Yeah, well, we canceled Joss Whedon, right? Wasn't that it? That's the whole thing. I mean, it's ridiculous, if you ask me. But yeah, I mean, I've watched. I, I. Uh, yeah, we hate Joss Whedon and we love the Russo brothers. That's the, uh, the Russo brothers have now created Marvel. Yes. Joss Whedon had nothing to do with with the with the, the Marvel universe as it was, even though he pretty much helped create the whole MCU. Yeah. Well, again, it it's it's a sports analogy who won the last game because you know what? Everyone stopped talking about John Favreau after I'm after Iron Man 2. And then they were like, oh, Favreau wasn't that good. Robert Downey Jr. was that good. And now he's doing The Mandalorian, and everybody's like, well, John Favreau created the MCU, and now he's the one to save Star Wars. But you know what? If you don't like season three of Mandalorian, if they, if they get greedy with the pace, and you're, he's still looking for a home for Grogu in season five, all of a sudden, John Favreau is not going to look so smart to you. Yeah, well, it's the whole, you know, but that's the way social media is, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't understand. Okay. I do understand why people talk so much about the Mandalorian on social media. It pushes all the right buttons. And, I, and we, I've said this before. I'll say it again. And you can't, you can't tell me I'm wrong. If the Mandalorian does not have the baby Yoda, okay, Grogu as he is now, which, yep. oh, great. Uh, <clears throat> Dave Filoni essentially named the baby Yoda George Lucas, but just switched some words, some letters around. See, okay. I want to know, know what the virtual whiteboard was for the name. Because, you know, coming in, they were like, all the fans are calling it baby Yoda. And John Favreau was like, I told them to stop. He's not Yoda. And they go, and Hasbro's pissed off because they're putting the child on merchandise and no one cares. They're like, come up with a name. And you know, it was the entire writing staff for six hours going, Bugagoos, 
Zibiza. It's like Stan Lee in the 50s. <laughs> Fing, fang, foom. Groot. That would have worked. Da Wanda Watum. I thought, I mean, you had Yoda, you had Yaddle. I thought it was going to be another Y name, like Yiddle or Yo-Yo or something, something, Yoko. I don't know. Yeah, yogurt. But yeah, yogurt. Uh, Go-Gurt. Mel Brooks. But, Mel Brooks, right. The four, the Schwartz, right. Yeah. But, but, um, but Grogu. Okay, fine. Right. I mean, that's I'm, I'm all right with Grogu. It's George. You took the, <laughs> you took the name George and you transposed a couple letters. Fine, that's great. I don't have an issue with that. Right. But, and you know what? But George Lucas has no interest in the Mandalorian at all. Yeah, yeah. They keep bringing him on set and he's like, eh, eh, eh. like yeah, John Favreau right. is like, look at, the, look at the Mandalorian's rifle. We used it from the Taurus Holly special. He's like, you did? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, but then, um, but without Grogu, do we care so much about the Mandalorian? No. Not, not so much, but I think it, without Grogu, it's still a solid show. The action is fantastic. Which is fine, but do, do, but do, do, okay, do we have all the memes? No, right? Grogu is the hook of the show. That's a, that's the hook of the show. And don't get me wrong, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's a brilliant idea. I mean, I actually wanted to pitch that whole uh, a story. I wanted to pitch a Dark Horse uh, back when, when uh, Marvel, uh, when Dark, when uh, Dark Horse had the Star Wars license. I wanted to pitch a story about Yoda, the planet he was from, and the people. And then, but then, but then I was told they don't, you can't do that. That was like one of the things that Lucasfilm wouldn't let you do. They wouldn't mm. let you, because that was like a thing that they wanted to do. They, they gave the whole, well, you know, we don't want to know that. We don't want to know that right now. Like, okay, fine, whatever. That's then, something they wanted to save. They want, and then now they're like, you know, oh, well, this, John Favreau says we're going to do this. Now. All right, let's do it. It's a great idea. Great idea, John. Which it is. It's brilliant. Okay, so I'm going to take Lone Wolf and Cub. I'm going to make it a Mandalorian and a, and, and a, and a, and a baby Yoda species. And, and essentially and do a thing in space. And fine. And great. Okay. And then let's go back. Let's talk about how great Dave Filoni is as a, as a, as a director. Because he took, you know, Ahsoka Tano and essentially did, you know, an Akurasawa film. With her, I'm like, okay, great. You know, how is it that when George Lucas was doing all this stuff in his movies, um, people were accusing him of pretty much ripping off other directors, and now when other directors are doing the same thing, they're brilliant. You know, yeah. There's this the shifting of opinions on social media just makes me crazy. It's all about giving the audience what they want, and they will. If the last four years have taught us anything. Is once you've got the once you've got an audience on your side, they will justify everything you do, and once they're not on your side, they will criticize everything you do. This is true. And I mean, I mean, I think this is the perfect mix. My my only problem with uh, with Dave Filoni on board, I think they're doing a fantastic job, but Dave Filoni's bringing in all of this stuff from Clone Wars and Rebels, and I'm like, I'm like, these are all shows I couldn't watch because I was an adult, like. Like, I can't get through. I have tried multiple times with Clone Wars and Rebels, both with when they were on Netflix, when they were on Cartoon Network, now then when they were on Disney+. Plus. I get through a few of them, and I'm like, I shouldn't be watching this. This isn't aimed at me. Like, it, it's like all the Disney XD Marvel shows. It's like, hey, I, would, I love to watch Spider-Man cartoons. Let's watch the new Spider-Man cartoon. And it's like Ultimate Spider-Man was actively telling me not to watch it. And I felt like that's what the Star Wars cartoons were doing. But now here's Gus Fring with a dark saber and here's 
Rosario Dawson as Osaka, as, as a character from the Clone Wars. And it's like, there's so much that are sequels to these animated series, which were never aimed at me, that I'm like, do I got to do this homework? It's like reading X-Men. It's like... <laughs> I was going to say exactly that. Yes, it's exactly that. Because I started watching, I liked Rebels in the beginning. And then yeah, I liked it like too. It got... And then it got out of hand after a while. It's like, oh, man, you guys are really bonking everything down. And Clone Wars, I just couldn't get into. I couldn't get past the, the animation style. I yeah. I never forgave it because they did the Jenny Tartakovsky version first. And that, yeah, was, and like totally and that was Samurai Jack. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. That so, I was like, why are I, we doing I, this as a full series when we had it? We had exactly what we needed. And then um, I, I, I have yet to watch an episode of Resistance. I, I haven't either. I'm in like season, I'm in season three of Rebels. Like it was, it was something to leave on while I was doing stuff, you know? And, and even then I was just like, ah, it, it was, it's these shows where you go, I'm going to watch all this because I want to be a smarter fan. Of course, as I said, a middle-aged fan that then forgets everything. Um, but I want to knock these off my list. But then because there's so much on streaming um, and as we're seeing now in the news, everything is going to streaming, including uh, the movie theater industry is now. For 2021, for 2021. Yeah, but that's after 2020 being a year where they were closed, where they tried to sell you a $100 ticket to a Christopher Nolan film and nobody wanted it. I mean, uh, as much as I like Christopher Nolan films, I'm not going to, I wasn't going to go to a movie theater to see a not a a movie that was remember when they initially pitched it it was just the the next film by christopher nolan remember it was just yeah that was it that was it the next and then it was then tenant it was yeah. even you didn't even see like a, a graphic or anything it was just a name a film by christopher nolan that's gonna get me to go to a theater um, it right? didn't get me to go to dunkirk yeah i still haven't and seen then, it right and then and then yeah then what's what's <laughs> the premise of this they, they should have just called travel. It's time inversion. What? what? It's inception, but time instead of sleeping. That's all I yeah, got. Right. So I feel okay. like you could have just called Dunkirk homework. <laughs> that would have been my one word review. If I was writing for a college newspaper. Call it homework. <laughs> just Dunkirk homework. Two and a half stars. <laughs> I'm like, even if theaters were open, I'm not even sure I would have gone. Even if there was no COVID, I'm not even sure I would have gone to see Ted. Right. Yeah, but, uh, but this know? week, like, and this week, Warner Brothers, like, it just basically came out and went, we give up. Go to HBO Max. Go to HBO Max. I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to get you, we're going to give you the, I'm telling you, and, and I'm going to be, let, let's be honest. It, it seems like, you know, they have it's about market corrections, you know, all these market corrections yeah. that go on in the stock market and in different industries. I think now we're going to see that with the film industry. You know, this thing where movies now are only considered successes when they make a billion dollars, mm -hmm. a billion dollars, which is ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, And that happens once every five years. I mean, Marvel's Marvel doesn't even do it every time. Marvel does it. Half the time. Marvel does it when it's an event movie. Like, Spider-Man didn't make a billion dollars. Endgame made a billion dollars. Right. Captain Marvel made a billion, but Ant-Man didn't make a billion. Yeah, Black Panther made a billion, but Black Guardians Panther. 2 didn't do that great. It didn't, didn't do as much right. as Guardians 1. So, so it's like you can't, even on your pride, tried and true franchises, you can't, you can't bank on a billion dollar movie. That's, it's got to get into the public consciousness and get a life of its own to get to that. 
gauge. So this, Although if you're charging people $100 a ticket. <laughs> well, yeah, and it charging people quite a bit. And even before that, I mean, let's think, let's be honest. Like if you went to, like I, if I would go to a movie in Chicago, I didn't go in the city. I always went out to the burbs because mm-hmm. you could always get a better price in the burbs. Going to the city, going to uh, the, to see the movie in the evening in the city is like 25 bucks. Yeah. And if that, just for you? Day, yeah, just for one person. Jeez. Then if you bring a date, it's like almost, you know, it's like 50 bucks. I'm trying to remember the last time I went on a date in the city. And I, you know. And what was the last time you went outside in the city? <laughs> yeah, really. And, and hey, weren't we, weren't we, tr- uh, weren't we getting tired of people being dicks in theaters anyway? Remember mm-hmm. how we were getting tired of people on their fucking phones and texting each other and talking in the movie theater. And we we're saying, you know what? We want more of the movie theater experience at home where I can go to the bathroom when I want to, when I can, I don't have to pay through the nose for my, my, uh, my frozen pizza and my popcorn and stuff like that, that the communal experience of going to a theater was losing it's romanticism because people were pretty much being assholes at the movie. And now those same people who were bitching about that are the first ones crying, oh, movie theaters. I, like, I tell you, I never, I, growing up in New York, I had never been to a drive-in. Uh, this year, I've been to four of them because that's all you can really do. You know, and and that gives you the I'm going to this movie. That's our that's our event. Uh, you know, obviously it's social distanced. It, it's sequestered. Um, I mean, you know, you're outside. You're at the mercy of the weather for the screen. But then they put it on the radio, so everybody's got a good sound system. And I'm like, I get kind of the same experience. I mean, they're not doing new movies and drive-ins yet, so it's like it's been Christmas movies and horror movies at Halloween. But that's I did every time I went to the drive-in, I was like, yeah, I really miss going to the movies. I, w- I miss that being my evening. Again, I'm not, I don't want to poo-poo the movie going experience. I, I enjoyed it myself, but I, I just, it's back to the whole thing on social media, people lamenting it when just the, you know, not that long ago, we were talking about how we were tired of going to the movies because it wasn't the experience that, you know, we were paying too much for movies. We're being yeah. asked too much to pay to pay for the movie. Concessions were too expensive. The, oh, the people were being acting entitled when they were at the at the theater. We were just getting tired of it. So this whole romanticizing of it now, you know, we're acting like it's like the whole, you know, when when you, you break up with someone because you couldn't stand them anymore, but then you know you you, you pull a George Costanza and yeah. you're like. Hey, you know, oh, she's gone. Oh, you're, you know, he's lamenting breaking up with Susan again. You know, mm-hmm. even though he couldn't stand it when he was with her, but now that she's gone, suddenly, oh, did you happen to see the most beautiful girl happen to me? And I'm like, that's how we are about all these different experiences. Right. I mean, yeah, because it's like retail. It's like, did you know? Like, was going to the record store that great experience? Was going to Sam Goody's in the mall that good an experience that you're bemoaning it? Like, do you, you know, do you really, really miss buying a VHS tape at Blockbuster? Buying, mind you, for $30 because you wanted to watch Enemy Mine more than once before you came back. Like, did, do you miss late fees? Do you? Do you do you, do you miss the rewinding? Do you miss, yeah, you miss rewinding. I swear I rewound that tape. No, 
Timmy here says you didn't rewind it, so we're charging you. We're charging you like four dollars or whatever for not re rewinding the fucking tape. So yeah. So I'm 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 really over the 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 hemming you know the the lamentations of people talking about movie theaters. Guess what? Movie theaters will be back. They'll be back. Are they gonna be Are they gonna be pulling in money hand over fist like they did before? No. And you know what? They probably shouldn't have. Should movies be making a billion dollars a year? No, they probably shouldn't have, okay? It's a market correction. Now let's all bring it back down again where, you know, no one's getting greedy. Movie studios can't be greedy. You know, the movie going experience needs to be something I want to do, not something that the theaters are gonna expect me to come out and actually act like I should be happy that they're offering me a movie theater and that they're only charging me $15 you know, for the ticket, and they're only charging me $8 for the fucking popcorn, you know, and no, no, that's no, now it's gonna, you're gonna have to go back to like making it worth my time and my effort and my money to go. Right, and they were struggling before, remember, don't, let's not forget that uh, as early as five years ago, they were putting in, you know, overstuffed reclining seats and, and having you buzz and get table service. Um, because and, again, it costs too freaking much. Mm -hmm. The theaters were the, not the theaters. The theaters were their own thing. But the, mo the, 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 the movie studios were asking too freaking much. It's like the, 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 they were compressing how much time they would give a movie to make money. Remember, the first Star Wars was in theaters for 18 months, a year and a half. People had got a year and a half to see the first Star Wars movie on its first run. It didn't even go in the second run theater. So I, I, it didn't come here. on TV until after Return of the Jedi was in theater. Yeah. I remember like now, CBS got the rights to run A New Hope for the first time. And they did a little documentary about like how beloved Star Wars was. And I remember it was one of the first times they showed somebody's toy collection. And they were like, yeah, I have, I have these dioramas in my house. And he had the speeder bikes from Endor in there. That's how long, and I remember this because that was the version I taped and watched over and over. So I saw that documentary 700 times in two years. That was how long it was before they even put it on television. So the only way you could see it was, was going to a theater. There was no VHS at that point. There was no beta. Yeah, yeah like, you had to wait at least. Uh, I remember when uh, the first Jurassic Park uh, was in theaters, and then people were complaining that they had to wait so long for the VHS to finally make it to the to the market. It didn't come out on VHS till about a year and a half later after it finishes theatrical run. They were like, "Give us Jurassic Park! Give us Jurassic Park!" Well, now now the the studios are expecting a movie to make back most of its money within the first three months, and then right. of course they want to push the they want to push you know the the blue the Blu-rays and whatever. Right. Well, and now that's dried up because of streaming, like they. Yeah, they cut off their own lifeline with that. I mean, I'm I'm still buying movies on uh, on iTunes and owning a digital copy, and I'm wondering why I'm doing it because I feel like half the things I buy, the next time I ask Siri for it, they go, "Yeah, here it is on Hulu, here it is on Netflix," and I'm like, "Well, why did I spend fifteen bucks for this three months ago?" And the way I rationalize it is because who's going to drop it whenever they want to. Exactly. Like I'm losing. I've, I've been watching. I've, I own the entire series of the West Wing on DVD, but you know I've been watching it on Netflix. Netflix is dropping it at the end of the month. It's going to be gone. Um, yeah, somebody's getting. HBO I think Max. HBO HBO Max is getting it. Yeah, HBO Max is going to be getting it, which yeah. I also have. 
So, but but which well, that's the thing. You have to have everything now. Yeah, I have have eight platforms. Remember, right? Remember, cord cutting was going to save you money. Now you spend as much money on these different these these different subscription services as you did on cable. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a shell game. It's always gonna be a show. It's always gonna, and everything's gonna have one thing you really need to see. It's like, you know, when Discovery came out, I got it for. I waited for the season to end. I got it for one month. I binged it in two weeks. I dropped it, and now it's as as we were saying. Now it's Discovery, but then it's Picard. Then it's Lower Decks. Then it's now it's gonna be uh, Strange New Worlds. Like they are going to have Star Trek all the time to keep me from dropping it. And it's like, that's the only thing I'm watching on CBS. Every now and then it's like, oh, look, they have Strangers with Candy. Like you stumble across something they have. They have Chappelle's show, but Dave told me not to watch it. I don't want to watch it. Yeah, so I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. I started watching The Odd Couple, you know, Matthew Perry's um, version oh, of The Odd Couple. They also have the Tony Randall, Jack Klugman, but not every episode. Oh, okay. And I was like, man, uh, Matthew Perry is not a great Oscar Madison. Um uh, um, um, Lennon, Tom Lennon, Tom Lennon, Thomas Lennon, excellent Felix Unger. I mean, like spot on. He he steals the scene every time. Poor Matthew Perry. He he, he like he loses. I'm not even paying attention to him anymore. Well, well you realize I just showed the movie to Ben. He had never seen it. The Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, mm-hmm. and the Felix part is the star part. Cause I was trying to describe it. He's like, well, what is this movie about? I'm like, well, it's about two guys that get divorced and then they move into an apartment and they're roommates and they hate each other. He's like, well, who are they? I'm like, well, I said, one guy is Niles Crane. Cause he had already watched all of Frasier. And he's like, yeah. got it. He's like, what about the other guy? I'm like, the other guy's dirty. He's like, well, well, so what is that? He's like, well, you know, the Niles guy doesn't like that. He's dirty. And really, the Oscar part seems like it's going to be a really fun part to play like this, you know, big grousy slob, but all Oscar ever does is react. The reason the Tony Randall, Jack Klugman worked is that uh, Klugman would work out this long straight line every time where he, where he would be like, <laughs> where Tony Randall would be like, I removed all the pits from yards. You removed all the pits. <laughs> That's the whole shell. Is That's it. Wait, it. Is it- I was going to say, isn't Oscar the Grouch based on, on Oscar Goldman? I wouldn't be surprised. Oscar Madison. I, uh, Oscar Goldman was uh, Charlie's uh, Angels. Six million dollar man, yeah. Yeah, right. and, and actually Oscar the Grouch was based on Oscar Goldman because right. the, the original two years he just kept building robots out of trash and making them run <laughs> in slow motion uh, while he counted to six. I thought it was, <laughs> was just 30, whatever. I thought it was just because he was dirty and, and kind of grumpy. Yeah, 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 I think I wouldn't be surprised if they got Oscar because of Oscar Madison. Because I think Bert and Ernie from were based on, from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, that's the side. You could have. That's how I would have explained it to the kid. Who's Oscar? Who's Who's Oscar? Oh, he's Oscar. He's Oscar the Grouch. Yeah, but he's not even that grouchy. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> he, like he but mostly just wants to eat big sandwiches. So, so okay, so CBS uh, All Access gives, is giving us all the Star Trek stuff and. And and for all the talk that Mandalorian gets, I'm surprised I don't people just don't talk about Discovery, because yeah. Discovery, you know, everyone talks about so we want to cancel this, we want to cancel that because you know, 
you know, the, the actress who plays Cara Dune is transphobic and, and, um, um, and this is what's happening. JK Rowling is this, and you know, yeah, Shuri so is an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, Shuri. Yeah, Shuri. Oh, that's right. She's an anti-vaxxer now. Yeah. And so, so, but discovery is like trying to be, they're going out of their way to be as inclusive mm-hmm. as they can. I mean, now they have a, a non-binary character on, yeah. on, on the show. And they specifically address, the, I mean, not that they haven't done it before, but in this case, they express, they express the whole issue of pronouns. Yeah. You know? And, and, they, and did, they did it so well. And they did it with the, I love they did it with the chief engineer who's the openly gay character. And, he, yes. and he's like, and he's like, hmm, all right. Yeah. It's the kind of thing they were asking Next Generation and Voyager and Deep Space Nine to do. And... In fact, Iris Stephen Bear says um, there's a fantastic documentary called What We Left Behind um, that Iris Stephen Bear put together about the making of Deep Space Nine, which you should watch when you fucking finish Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. But he says when they talked about like being socially progressive in the 90s, he comes out and says, he goes, we didn't do enough for gay rights. We didn't say enough. He said there was one episode where um, – Dax's uh, husband in a former life, that trill was put into a woman. And that's how they, they played with it. But then it was still like, oh, no. Like they kissed once. It was like yeah, that 90s that thing. Where people they, pissed, it made yep. people angry. Got people and then, but then they backed right off it. And Discovery is going full into this. Yeah, Discovery's like, fuck it. We're just, this is what it is. You know, yeah. the characters are there. And I'm telling you, and I, I love those characters. I mean, I, I love all the characters, you know. The engineer who, first season, I thought he was a real dick. Like, he is oh, a real God, dick in the first season. Yeah. Oh, great. He's another one of those guys who's fucking brilliant, who's condescending to everybody around him. I'm going to have to deal with this guy for, for God knows how long. And then they decide to actually make him like multidimensional and, and, and sympathetic. And now I love him. I love that character. I mean, I love Tilly. If anything, Tilly at yeah. this point, you know, now that they've made her like the, the Saru's made her, um, uh, made her First him, his number one. Yeah. Yeah. She's, and she's like just stepping right into it. Yep, and, and the she's, way they did the whole bit, you know, she's so body positive how, too. It's like she's yes, the first overweight exactly. person we've had in Starfleet. She that doesn't look like she's been auditioning for leading parts. Like she's a she looks it's, like a yes. character actress, and it's like oh yeah, in the twenty, and yeah. I guess they're in the twenty ninth century now. Once they did the time jump, I'm like yeah, we still have heavy people. Like not everyone's in perfect everyone's shape. Every, right. And then um, and any other show would have strung out like an entire episode or two about the, the oh, you know, people are resenting her. You know, she's just an ensign and they made her. Now she's suddenly got this promotion. No, this guy said, fuck that. You know what? These people love each other. They respect each other. And this is how they're going to handle it. And I'm like, this, again, refreshing, positive. Yeah. The episode was a thing. The episode was about her not feeling ready and the rest of the crew saying, you need to do this. And do Completely. I hear anything about that? On, on, do people rave about it on social media? No. no. Mind you, I, do, I, I mean, if they're talking about it on Twitter, I wouldn't know because I'm barely on Twitter. You know, Twitter's a fucking dumpster fire. And yeah. It's, I mean, even when, even when our current president is gone, I think it's going to stay a dumpster fire for a while. I don't know. I, I, well, the worst of the worst are going to parlor where they'll eat each other. 
but, they don't know. the, the but, problem is, yeah, they're going to parlor. Yeah, you're, you're right. But they're going to parlor and everyone that that's on parlor, they're just agreeing with each other and they're not getting anybody else pissed off. So they're like, oh, this is no fun. I, I got to go back. I got to go back to to Twitter and, 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 and own the liberals, you know, trigger trigger some of them liberals because yeah. everyone here in parlor is like, you know, you could only go, you can only plot so many bombings of, of government facilities before it gets tired because no one really gets angry at you for it. So See, I think they're going to gonna go like the Tea Party where they're, they're like rats. They need to chew to keep their teeth from growing into their brain. And if they don't, if they don't have enemies, they're just going to eat each other. That's what happened to the Tea Party. They just broke into, they were all about hate. And they, when they didn't have anybody to unite, to unite to hate against, they just hated each other. And then they be, then they united under Trump. And then they became the yeah. Trump party. Yeah. So, so anyway, but back, I don't want to get into the, the negativity, but the good stuff. Why, why aren't people singing the praises of Discovery more? You know, why don't I see that? Because it's, it's, it's giving folks everything that, we com- that people say we must have. We must have representation. Oh, look, here's a show with representation. Mm-hmm. Well, I need this. I, no. Here, it's here. It's been here the whole time. Why aren't you watching that? Well, I want gay characters in Star Wars. There are gay characters in Star Wars. Well, all they did was kiss each other. I need to know they're gay. I need full penetration. (laughs) (laughs) This is the the future. The only reason I knew she was gay was because she kissed another woman. What do you want? Wait, I thought being gay was more than being your sexuality. Yeah, you know what? I I think people aren't responding to it. First of all, it's not news. Discovery's in season three. Everything else, Star Trek is season one. So everything's brand new and shiny. And even though it's reinvented itself every season, I also think people people really love complaining. And if there's nothing to complain about, they just don't talk about it. Like I get into this conversation all the time um, with – like Marvel Legends collectors, because I basically collect everything Marvel Legends, which doesn't leave me much room to collect anything else. Uh, but people like people do their top ten list. They're like, they're like, who do you want to come out in Marvel Legends next year? And invariably now, the top ten lists are all characters they've already done. Where I'm like, I'm like, we need to do the Spot. We need to do the Kangaroo. We need to do the Gibbon. And people are like, we need to do the Kingpin. And I was like, we just did the Kingpin. And they're like, yeah, but not the way I wanted. <laughs> They were like, I didn't like his face and his hand was too big. And then it's like, I, uh, I actually got into this argument with Steven and he's not here to defend himself. So, so he was like, he was, he's collecting more and more Marvel Legends. He's like, we need a Doctor Strange. I was like, they just did a Doctor Strange. No, that was modern Doctor Strange. I need a classic Doctor Strange. I was like, well, here's the Toy Biz one. That's the classical. He's like, all oh, the old ones are garbage. He's like, I need a good one. I was like, well, Mezco made one that has real cloth. You know, the real tunic, and then he's like, those are too expensive. And I'm like, it was the first time in knowing Steven, I was like, I- I'm just going to stop texting you. <laughs> <'Cause it's> like, <laughs> like, like, we can't keep custom ordering every single product and piece of entertainment for your specific demands, because as soon as we narrow it in, then we've alienated the people that wanted it just a little different and just a little different. And just, you know, there, there's too many fans sending things back to the kitchen. Isn't that, isn't that the next thing, though? The custom figure? You pay a little more for it, but it's exactly what you want? Well, they'll make a figure out of yourself, but I don't need to see my face. <laughs> what a thing. Wouldn't that be like, you know, 
you, you have like different versions and you can like tweak it yourself. You know, you can do this, that, they give you all these options. And- oh, probably. I'm still pissed off at Hasbro because I spent $350 on their Razorcrest campaign and then they blew up the fucking Razorcrest the next week. <laughs> I, I got I got into a conversation with Michael Crawford online, who's one of the big action figures reviewers. He's been doing it for twenty years. He's a sweet guy, and he does a Hot Toys podcast. And like, like he was like, "Hey, let's talk spoilers about Mandalorian." And my first tweet was, "Can I get my Hasbro Pulse money back?" Because first they smashed it all up, and then they dropped it in the ocean, and then it was like, when they dropped it in the ocean, it was when the campaign ended, and I was like. Uh, I just got a new job. The, the Hasbro Pulse stuff, the Sentinel is already tripled in value. All right, I'll put it down. And then they dropped it into the ocean. And Ben was like, what if they just destroyed the ship now? Like, I'd be so mad. I'd be so mad. And then they fixed it. And then it was holding it together with wires and there were spiders in it. And it was doing okay, doing okay. And the Empire blew into smithereens where there was nothing left but that lone fucking Beskar spear. And my $350 (laughs) exploded. And I'm like, man, those hardcore fans better miss this ship. (laughs) Because it's going right on eBay. (laughs) Oh, wait. Wait, hold on. Is Boba Fett cool again? Remember how Boba Fett was so yesterday? But now now that Boba Fett's back, does that make him cool again? Yes, because he actually kicked ass for once in his life. You know? Although people were calling him Boba Fett. So they immediately found something because Tamara Morrison is a thick body guy. He's a middle-aged guy. guy. He's wearing all robes. He put the armor on over his robes. Yeah. And people are like, you don't, you don't look good in that. I'm like, look better than Timothy Oliphant. It clearly didn't fit him. Timothy Oliphant looked like he was like wearing his dad's. Yeah. His dad's trooper outfit. That was was great. And I love that episode. Although here's my question. When Boba Fett goes to uh, Jajar and Mando, and he's like, I want my armor back. He's like, the armor that, I forget Timothy Oliphant's name, is like Kobe Vance or something. He's like, yeah. basically, he's like, the, the armor that he was using on Tatooine, I want that back. I'm like, why don't you just go get it from Timothy Oliphant? He wouldn't fought you as much. He would have he just justified you for about 20 minutes. He'd be like, well, you know, uh, he's like, I've gone kind of accustomed to this armor. <laughs> like, in a fight with Boba Fett, Timothy Oliphant doesn't win. It's like, why is he going to travel across the galaxy to pick a fight with a guy who fights as well as him and goes, hey, you, you, who has, who has a cultural right to own that? You, the killmonger of Star Wars, <laughs> reclaiming relics from your people. You give that to me. Not, the, not Conan O'Brien's best friend. <laughs> That's my one hole with the episode. <laughs> We'll say this. I'm getting so fucking tired of all the stand-up comedians in The Mandalorian. It's bad enough I, Horatio uh, Sands. It's bad enough Horatio Sands, my twin brother, who's living my fucking life, okay, is on there. But Favreau's getting even Bill Burr, who fucking hates Star Wars, who hated Star yeah, Wars, yeah. had a whole bit in his stand the back about it. He couldn't say it. Gets to play a character, and then Favreau's like, hey, you know what? I know it's I know fucking Star Wars fans hate this guy. We're going to bring him back. Yeah, him. he's coming back. <laughs> I love it. He doesn't even drop his Boston accent. Like, the New Republic has a Boston now. It's a Boston. He's <laughs> like, ah, I am Mandalorian. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll fucking shoot you with this thing. I I love it. We had, like, Brian Pesane. We had, like, uh, 
How, how have we not had Patton Oswalt? Is that just too obvious? For all I know, Patton Oswalt's been in there, but it's like an uncredited role that he doesn't want anyone to know about. Yeah, it's like Mark Hamill does voiceovers in every Star Wars thing and doesn't tell and everything, anybody. Yeah, they don't tell anybody, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so okay, so Boba Fett is cool again, um, you know, because I remember for the longest time, people were saying, Boba Fett, he's so, like, last... He's so last century, you know, come on. Mandalorians, he's the shiny Boba Fett. Remember when everyone referred to the Mandalorian yeah. as shiny Boba? Yeah. You know? Now Boba Fett's back and he's a badass and I guess it's okay for me to wear my Boba Fett shirt again. Yeah, I, I think this is the first time we actually saw Boba Fett fight people. That's the thing. So Boba, Fett, Boba Fett stands yeah. around and collects Han Solo in Empire. He tries to fight Luke and he just gets tied up and kicked into a Sarlacc pit. Well, which, depending on which cut you're you're watching, is is either a desert vagina or a desert penis. You get to cheat. Speaking speaking of another story, <clears throat> that was another story I wanted to pitch uh, about. Uh, I wanted to explain why I wanted. To, I was writing going to write a story explaining why Boba Fett was so incredibly incompetent against Luke um, in in Return of the Jedi. Um, but again, you know, that's like one of those nerdy things that yeah, you know. You know what? Yeah. what? Yeah, I always wanted to pitch what the dinner was like on Cloud City. <laughs> Incredibly <laughs> awkward. But then they, they did that in a robot chicken, right? Yeah, I, I had that idea in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And they robot chickened it up. <laughs> so, again, we're talking, if it's even Boba Fett coming back, we're talking about, you know, Boba Fett's cool again. Mm-hmm. Child has a name. Everything's jibby, 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 and then Discovery gets none of this, none of this love. Yeah, yeah. Although I will say love. about Discovery, the last thing I want to say about Boba Fett is that we also know what it's like to live in a Sarlacc because Boba Fett is like 32 years old. <laughs> Where They've stated they're five years after Return of the Jedi. He was in that Sarlacc pit for five years. He's a seven-year-old boy in Attack of the Clones, which is 20 years before the original trilogy. He is as young as Patrick Stewart's wife. <laughs> and this is what he looks like. Now, remember, if something takes a thousand years to digest you... First it plumps you up, then it eats your hair, <laughs> then it leaves th- three Thanos scars on your face. That's the first 10 years. Anyway, (laughs) Sarlax can't live, can't, can't kill him. Can't, can't leave a, can't leave a a plot hole without them. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like, yeah, I'm loving it, but there's a, there's a lot of questions I have after this. I, I'm hoping since he's sticking around and they, they moved on to slave one, that I'm hoping that they'll fill in that backstory. How did he get out? Like, again, like how did he get? How did he get sand people weapons? Yo, how did he get separated from his armor? You know, how did the Jawas get it? Not get him. How how did he get all the sand people weapons? There's stories to be told with Boba Fett there, and I'm okay. I'm okay even if they do it in dialogue. Even if they're just flying Slave One and he's just like, because that's what uh, Timothy Oliphant did. He's like, where'd you get that armor? Pulled it off some Jawas. <laughs> that's what, that's all I need. Good, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, or they'll do it in a comic book. 
you know, Marvel do now, the story from the Mandalorian. Yeah, I don't need that. They did, they did a comic book about C-3PO's red arm. And I'm like, I'm not buying that. Find they out why it. his arm's red. That's, that's, how, that's how they're going to do it. I mean, that's how they filled, they fucking filled, they filled the whole the plot hole about the Emperor uh, returning in Rise of Skywalker on fucking Fortnite. That's, you that's, know? that's not good story. That's Shadows of the Empire. Right, like, I'm just saying, but yeah. that's that's how they're going. You know, that's the way they're going to work it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Although we've we've got a few more episodes left. There's plenty of there's plenty of time to talk about it. It'll be a novel. Watch. They're going to put yeah. it out as a, as a book. Oh, there's going to be Boba Fett novels all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've been going oh, on Kong, and on. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Kong versus, Kong versus Godzilla. That's my. That's what I'm waiting for. Talk about talk about movie theaters. Godzilla versus King Kong gonna be on HBO Max. All the, the whole Warner Brothers slate that they're dropping. Yeah. I had no interest in seeing Matrix Four because I think people forget how much Matrix Three sucked. Matrix Two has but, good two good action scenes in it, and the rest of it's and bad. And then Matrix Three yeah, is terrible. Right. Yeah. yeah, people forget how mediocre and bad Matrix. But now Matrix Four because they're gonna show it on HBO Max. I'll watch it now. Yeah, you know what? Um, James Gunn's Suicide Squad is going to HBO Max. HBO Max. I'm looking I'm forward to it. Yeah, I'm it's just that, so. I, honestly, if if uh, I have to pay the price of a movie every month to watch two or three movies a month, and a bunch of sh- and a bunch of shows that like I remind myself I need to watch, um, I'll be happy if they do all the DC animated movies on um, HBO Max because they were doing them on DC Universe. There's that they whole. They're yeah, all there's, there. There's that whole yeah. like 1970s Neil Adams kung fu movie they're doing. Yep. I'm like, I'm not going to buy that on iTunes if they're going to put it on HBO Max. Yep, it's all there. Yeah. And then you can watch The Thick of It. Yeah, I got to go back to The Thick of It. I got to see more Capaldi. That's, uh, that's also Armando Anucci, who um, yep. created Veep, basically. And Veep, all of Veep is on there, too. Yeah, I, I'm going back to Veep. I, I'm having a hard time with political shows, and I need, you, I need your guidance on this. Is, um, as it got more and more toxic, I tried to rewatch Veep because it ended so beautifully that I was like, I'm doing the whole series again. But then because they were toxic political characters and I was, had to re- see the news with toxic political characters, I dropped off and I'm like, well, maybe with Biden in the White House, I'll, I'll be able to go back. But I've been thinking the same thing about the West Wing. I've never seen the West Wing and I didn't think I wanted to see a really good president while we had Trump in office. I thought that it was made my, that was, sad. The West Wing was my was my comfort food, man. It was my it was my meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and gravy for this past for this past time. I needed I needed to see some competency. That and watching Obama do book tours. Yeah, you know, <laughs> especially now with Obama doing all the you know promoting his new book, and then you go whenever you see like. He does his interviews with Colbert or whomever. Then you go to the YouTube page. You see all the comments under there. Remember when we had a kind president? Remember when we had a competent president? Remember when we had a president who could string sentences together? Da 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 da. And they're going, man. And people, we forget. People bitched and bitched and bitched and moaned about Obama when he was in office. Yep. And then it was like you know, again. Well, I th- I think that's the theme of this week's podcast. Is no matter what you got right now, you're gonna bitch about it. About it. It's like Lorne Michaels had this quote about Saturday Night Live, and he goes, uh, he goes, he, he says, everybody knows Saturday Night Live was better five years ago, and it doesn't matter when you ask them. <laughs> True. Yeah, okay. I know. 
so many people do it. I just had an experience myself where I was doing some, shooting some footage for a possible pilot and and the director just kept hitting me over and over again. Read the line again. Okay, do it like this, do it like that. And I'm there going, oh my God. And then I watch, uh, I, even folks on Saturday Night Live, when they go up and they hit their bits, and blah, blah, blah. even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't hit directly square, makes you laugh, whatever, I go, these folks are light years ahead of me and anybody else mm -hmm. who sits there and watches that show and wants to criticize it. Right. Well, that, and yeah, that's it is everybody's like, oh, it's not funny. It's not, that person sucks. That person sucks. And I'm like, I, I think Lawrence is the five year rule because five years from now, three people on that cast will be major movie stars or have their own shows that you fucking love. And you'll be like, remember when they were on Saturday Night Live and you ignored them? Yep. You know? Yep. Like, uh, so, uh, yeah. Well, before we go, we talked about a lot of stuff, so I don't think we need to do a greatest thing this week. But before we go, I just wanted to take a moment. Uh, to uh, see how you're doing and tell you that we all miss Sinbad, uh, who right now is in your oh, background because um, Sinbad passed since the last time we spoke. Um, I felt really bad because you and I had a conversation about my cat Fozzie, who's 19 and he's having trouble. And you were saying, well, this is what I'm doing with Sinbad and this is helping. Then to hear he passed uh, really hit home. So I just wanted to say um, that we all miss him online and we all feel for you. And how are you holding up? Eh, eh. Right. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blow smoke. It's been rough. I mean, when you're, when you're, pretty much confined, you know, you're. He was my quarantine buddy. So yeah. Now it's just, yeah, it's just me now. So eh, they're, they're good days. They're bad days. But yeah. Well, well we're, we're worry. all, we're thinking about. I'm not you. on suicide watch or anything. Don't worry about it. Okay. Good, because I don't want to watch you commit suicide. I don't wanna... <laughs> Especially uh, if I can't stream it. It's like. It's going to be wow. on social media. They're going to be like, gave me an idea. the rope was blue for some reason. <laughs> we couldn't see it. Damn. <laughs> he was, the damn zoom background. <laughs> couldn't see the rope. <laughs> he looked like he was flying. I was so happy for him. <laughs> oh, that is. By the way, <laughs> since you're going to stay alive, <laughs> how do we find you online if not for Twitter? Well, I'm not so sure if I am. <laughs> uh, Facebook. Facebook, as always. Uh, Facebook.com slash Elliot dot Serrano. Um, uh, friend me there first before you message me. I, I'm one of those folks that um, when I go, people are messaging me, but if they're not, and my, my Facebook page is open, so anyone can message me, but I'm... Uh, uh, but my messenger screens out folks that I don't know. So if you want to message me, you need to friend me first. And if you're going to friend me, I almost always approve people. But please, for the love of God, don't the first thing you do is ask me to like your page. You can also follow my page. That's at not on my book on Twitter and Instagram, or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash caffeinated comics. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, there's plenty of ways to do so. You can go to Apple podcasts, Amazon music, Stitcher, Spotify, plenty of ways to get in touch with us, but we will talk to you next week.